0: Today's message, The Finished Work of Jesus, Psalm 6511. Psalm 6511 says, Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, thy past drip with fatness. I believe this message today is going to just really help us in our journey to know Jesus better. We're on a journey, all of us, to know Jesus better, and uh, I think one area that in Especially since um, I've since Bible school, put it that way, which was, we graduated in 1989, and since Bible school, I think one of the biggest things that I, I've always tr- struggled in is in the area of my faith. What do I mean by that? Is in the area that uh, you feel like you're trying to believe God, but you don't have enough of it. I don't struggle in that anymore. And I believe as a church family, you're not going to either after you hear today's message. Because, you know, as long as the... I've said this in so many different ways for the last year probably. When the devil can get you to focus on where you're lacking it, where you're missing it, what you're doing. He's really good at that. And if he can keep you focused on that, it takes your main focus off of Jesus. And so Matt I mean, in Romans chapter 12 verse three, it says this: "For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, the measure of faith. So when we get born again, you believe in Jesus, you become a Christian you come a child of god all of those above you get the measure of faith if we were having a potluck and i was dipping with a ladle soup and i gave everybody it would be the same measurement i would be i wouldn't get you know oh you're not very big you get a tablespoon you're not uh, oh get the bucket but um everybody I didn't look at you, John. But anyway. <laughs> everybody would get the same measurement. When we get born again, we all get the measurement of faith. Why is that so important? You get the same measurement as Jesus when he walked on this planet. You get the same measurement as Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says this. Simon Peter, a bondservant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding and great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse one says that you've obtained like precious faith with us. In other words, Peter's saying the same faith that I received, you got. And how did you get it? By the righteousness of our God. You don't get this by trying to to work for it. You don't get this by trying to do good. You don't get you get this because when you get born again, you become righteous, and after you become righteous, then you're qualified to receive the measure faith of God. Why is that important? Because if you keep studying how little faith you have no faith you have you don't have enough faith the devil will always say you're almost there though just keep trying maybe next week maybe next month maybe next year and you'll never get there you need to realize that you have the faith right now today to believe anything that you need to have and the good news is this it says that um, well let me get ahead of myself that word in the Greek like precious like precious it means, Melody hates that word because she watched Lord of the Rings and Precious, you know that? I agree. I'm sorry, that was a, you talk about a rabbit trail shot. but She doesn't even read that scripture to yourself. She says, don't say it out loud. But anyway, like Precious, if you not seen that movie, I'm sorry. If you've seen it and you think it's terrible, oh well. But anyway, like Precious means of equal value or honor. Of equal value equal value so Peter is saying you have equal value of faith that I have well what's so great about that do you know what Peter did Dorcas she died and Peter raised her from the dead not only that how about this one people got lined up that were sick people that were lame people that were deaf people that couldn't I mean all kinds of things sickness and Peter did this. He says, I'm going to walk in front of you, and my shadow is going to heal you. Wow. Amen. That's way out there. He had the measure of faith of God, and he sits there and he walks, and all of a sudden, when the shadow of Peter hits the people, they get healed. Healed, 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 healed. That's wild. That's truth. It happened. The good news is, that's in you. That's in you. I'm just saying we have to believe that. But the thing is, he says that in First Peter or Second Peter, he says, "I've given you everything, all things. How many things that are you lacking today? According to the word, none, because he says I've given you all things. If you need healing, would that be all things? If you need finances, would that be all things?" If you need peace, if you need joy, if you need love, if you need patience, it's already been given to you. Self-control, you got it. Kindness, you got it. Joy, you got it. Everything you need for life and godliness has already, past tense, been given to you. So, church, don't let the enemy, and listen, don't let what you are feeling or what you are sensing Dictate to you that you feel like you don't have it. That's right. yes. You know, it's like patience. I just don't have patience, pastor. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. You ask my wife, you ask my boss, you ask everybody around me. They know, you just need patience. No, you have it. You're just not letting it be manifested in your life, but you've got it. Amen. Amen. You've got it. Man, I'm telling you, Galatians 2:20. He says you got the faith of Paul. Paul wrote three-fourths in the New Testament. He said, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of who? The Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I looked at that, and that just leaps off the page because, see, I've always tried to live by Mike's faith so I would read that scripture like this I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of Mike Davis Mike's faith I got to get my faith up I'm I'm living by my faith I got to get make sure my faith is strong I got to make sure my faith is pure I got to make sure my faith my faith And, and Paul said I don't live by my faith I live by whose faith by the faith of the Son of God. How many think that Jesus had great faith? His faith could raise the dead. His faith could cause blinded eyes to open. His faith could cause ears to be open. He had faith for anything and everything. And he says, that's how you and I should live by his faith. So I quit concentrating on Mike's faith. And I just took that off the drawing board and I said, I think Jesus' faith is a lot better to live by. Amen? Amen. That will help you instead of the devil trying to say, well, you just, you don't believe enough. You need to do this. You go, I'm living by his faith. Go talk to Jesus. I'm living by his faith. Everybody say his faith. His faith is enough to give you victory in every area of your life. Would you agree to that? It's the same faith that Jesus had. You say, well, Jesus didn't have to have faith. Yes, he did. In Philippians, it says he emptied himself and became a man. Everything he did, he did as a man. If you don't believe that, in Acts, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You don't need to be anointed if you're God. It said how God anointed Jesus. Well, if he was walking as God, God doesn't, how many know God doesn't need anointing? Well, Jesus needed anointing. And the good news is he was anointed by God. And good news is so are you. Everybody say, I'm anointed. So you have faith and you have the anointing. That's a recipe for victory. That's a recipe for victory. Philemon, you we say, well, this is a problem, Pastor. I'm hearing this, but I'm just not experiencing much victory in my life. And majority of the church world around the planet is not. So where is the, where's the gap? Where's the bridge that can connect this to what you're saying, Pastor, and to see the reality of? It? Philemon, chapter 1, verse 6. There's only one chapter in Philemon. Verse 6 says this, that the communication of your faith may become effectual. So he's saying that your faith needs to be able to, to become working. How do you get your faith to work? And this is how he says. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now this is the thing. Paul tells Philemon, he says you don't need to ask for more faith. Did you notice that's not in there? He didn't say. Well Philemon you need to make sure. That you, you, you're asking God for things that you're lacking. Just you need to ask God for more stuff. That's not what he says. What does he say? You need to acknowledge. Every good thing. Which is where? In, you. in us. You need to acknowledge every Good thing in you. That is in you. In Christ Jesus. So this is. We're, we, we miss it as well. So when we're having a s- sickness come on our body, we ask God to heal us. We ask God, you know, we beg God to heal us. If we're having financial trouble, we, we beg God to heal us and, or to provide our needs and everything. This is where faith is not working when you do that. If you want your faith to work, you have to acknowledge that which is in you. So this is what you do. If you're experiencing pain in your body, You don't cry out to God to heal you. What you do is you say, Father, 2,000 years ago, you bore my pain. So I believe in the name of Jesus, I'm healed in Jesus' name. The majority of the time when I do that, the pain stays there. And the first response or reaction for a Christian or a believer is, it didn't work. So what we are saying is... (laughs) What you are feeling is taking priority and being elevated as a higher truth than what Jesus has said. This is not to condemn you because it happens to me as well. So I just say, no, I believe what the word says. I believe that 2,000 years ago, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. So you have to acknowledge that. And you have to acknowledge it. And you have to acknowledge it. And you have to acknowledge it. When the pain escalates. When the devil goes. He, he, he's trying to get this to work. We, we need to do something. And you have to acknowledge it. And you have to acknowledge it. And you have to acknowledge that it is in you. Do you understand that the healing power of almighty God. That raised him from the dead. Is in you. It's hard to comprehend how much power that is. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and me. If, it, if that kind of power raised Jesus from the dead, don't you think that's enough power to, to heal your kidneys? I'm just saying. Is it enough power to cause that tumor to completely just disappear? Is it enough power? That's where you need to work on your believing because right here between the ears, that's where it goes, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we can help you in that I don't know part. We can help you by, first of all, just starting, you got to find out what's in you. A lot of believers don't know what's in them. They believe that confusion and, and just garbage and just all kinds of stuff is in them, but not according to the word of God. He's given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So you have to believe that healing is in you. Having all your needs met is in you. Peace, joy, Galatians 5, and 23, all the fruit of the Spirit, it is in you. You can't say, you know, I just, I lack patience. And you can ask my mother, my grandmother, you can ask my mother-in-law, all the women in my life, you can ask them and they will tell you, you lack patience in your life. And what you need to do is acknowledge In the midst of you getting upset and irritable, in the middle of that, that's when you need to acknowledge that you have patience. You can't wait till you get patient and then acknowledge it. I'm patient now. No, you were patient the day that you got born again. You were kind the day that you got born again. You have self-control the day that you got born again. You're loving the day that you got born again. You got healed 2,000 years ago and you received that payment the day that you got born again. Every need met the day that you got born again. You are acknowledging that 2,000 years ago. Now listen, I know this may go crosswise with some of your mentality because religion will tell you, no, you you, you just have to Accept what, this is what we're saying when we say that. We're saying that the material world is greater than the spiritual world. Do you know there's two worlds? There's the world that we see. There's also a world that's invisible. How many know that Jesus is in us? How many know there's angels in this, uh, all around here? Angels are following you everywhere you go. Angels are everywhere. That's just a neat thought. There's angel. It's the spiritual world is a real thing. And it is more powerful than the world in which we see. But we need to acknowledge the things that God has put in us that you don't see. That you don't feel. You have to acknowledge that. That is releasing your faith. And it is the faith of Almighty God. So when, you're, when, you, when you are feeling pain. Now, I said this in first service. I'm going to say it again here. Because there's people that get flaky on this. You know, they, got, they, they tore up their knee playing football or something. And so you see them limping. Oh, what did you do to your knee? Nothing. <laughs> you, you see people, I, I just believe, I'm healed so I, I didn't do anything. Now you, you just look stupid. No, what, this is what you do. You know, I was playing and I tore up my knee. But I tell you what, I believe by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Healing is work. I am so healed. But you just agree with me, all right? You just agree with me. That sounds a lot better than, no, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> nothing wrong with your knee, but between your ears, you've got a problem. <laughs> That's what they're going to think. And they may not be too far off. But anyway, uh, putting faith in what Jesus did for us, it granted you salvation. Putting faith in what you saved. This is hard to put faith in Jesus for, for what you're saying. You did it to get saved. You put faith in what Jesus did for you. And when you did that, you got saved. That is the biggest miracle of all miracles. The biggest thing, you did it. How did you do it? You put faith in what Jesus did for you. So this is what you need to do. Put faith in what Jesus did for your healing. For your good marriage. For your kids. For your job. For your finances. For anything in life, you put faith in what he did and quit trying to rely upon your own self or your own faith to get life better for yourself because you probably won't succeed in that. Are you hearing that? Put faith in what Jesus did. I mean, think of it. He succeeded really good in that area. Put faith in Jesus. But this is what our problem is. We focus on the wrong thing. It's easy to focus on what you're feeling, what's going on. It's easy to pray for your spouse, and then five minutes later, you see them getting irritable at you. And you think, oh, it just didn't work. Well, you're putting, listen to me, you're putting faith in what you See instead of what you just ask for and believe for. Where are you going to put your priority? You have to focus on Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, when man got into trouble, it's because he took his eyes off the ball, so to speak. Remember the story of the serpent on the pole when the snakes were biting all the children of Israel? He said, make a serpent, put it on a pole, a bronze or brass. I can't remember. Bronze or brass, put it on the pole and stare at that. And if you got bit, you'll get healed by staring at the serpent. Jesus said, that was me. That represented me. If you stare and focus on Jesus, that's where you get victory in your life. Here's a familiar story of Peter Everybody just about knows the story, I believe, you know, when he got out of the boat. The story's in Matthew chapter 14, verse 24, it says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch, that's from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. This was an all-nighter. From 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., in between there, that's the fourth watch. It says, uh, the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is a ghost," and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, "Be of good cheer; it is I; do not be afraid." And Peter answered him and said, "Lord, if it's you, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water." Who thinks like that? Hey, it's Jesus. Hey. I want to do this. If it's you, just just say something. He said, "Come." Peter gets out of the boat. And he starts walking on the water. It says, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, you got to picture this. Let's just say there's Jesus. And so he's got his eyes on Jesus walking towards Jesus. He's walking on the water. Are you getting a picture? And so then he goes verse 30 it says but when he Peter saw the wind was boisterous and you can't see wind but you can see the the effects of the wind so waves were starting to crash and the wind was just blowing water in his face and the wind was just blowing water everywhere and so when Peter realized man this is a storm I'm walking on I'm walking in this storm he had to take his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the waves thinking this is a bad storm i shouldn't be able to walk in these stormy waters let me just give you a clue if it was a solid sheet of glass you still shouldn't be able to walk on water waves and wind should not have anything with to your ability to walk on water you see how the devil can make you think sometimes now you can't walk on this water there's a storm going on really if it was clear, you think, oh, it would be much easier to walk on water then. You see the, the, how our reasoning gets in the way of receiving from God? Think of it this way. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, this is good. Listen to this. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to walk above any storm that's in your life. Did you hear that? When you keep your eyes on Jesus... You can walk above anything that the enemy is trying to do in your life. Whether it's healing, financial, married problems, job problems, you problems, mental problems, problems, problems. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will have the ability, not only the ability, but the faith. You have the, the faith to walk above it. The devil doesn't want you to know that today. He wants you to think if you get your faith worked up, and up, you can walk above it. No, if you know that you have the faith of God, you qualify to walk above every problem that's going to be in your life. Right. Anyway, he says, but when he saw the wind as boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And doesn't that word phrase begin to sink just kind of stare at you? This is what I picture when you begin to sink. I don't know about you, but when I jump in the swimming pool, I don't begin to sink. I jump in, I'm I'm under, I'm gone. I've never, oh, I'm beginning to sink, everybody. No, you, you don't do that. So I'm looking at this story and I'm thinking, man, that's just the mercy of God. Why? Because it gave him time. Because, you know, when you begin to sink, you have time to say something. When you sink, you have no time. But he began to sink, and so he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, he wasn't saying little faith in the measuring of the faith. He was saying that you quit using the faith that you were using. You quit using the faith that you were using. Verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. Whoa, what a powerful story. But the whole thing is that he needed to keep his eyes on Jesus. As long as he did that, it didn't matter how bad the storm was. It's the same for you and me. Keeping our eyes on Jesus no matter what's going on. Because the devil's going to try to get you to focus on your body, on your checkbook, on the problem, on the circumstance, on what you feel. On past history even. He'll want you to focus on all of those things. It's the invisible truths uh, in, in the spiritual realm that are more real than anything that you can see. You just have to believe that meditate and how do you start believing well you got to think that way every once in a while you got to just think you know what what is unseen is more powerful than what I, I can see it's more powerful Hebrews chapter 12 Jesus tells us how to do it Hebrews 12 1 and 2 therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So there again, our faith should be wrapped around Jesus, not us. Are you getting that? Your faith wrapped around Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of this. Who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, we think that he endured, you know, the pain of those spikes going through. I mean, people think, oh, man, he had to know that that's going to be painful when that spike is driven into my hand. That's going to be painful when uh, that cat of nine tails is literally ripping the flesh off of his body. But this is what he was thinking. I'm going to be made sin who knew no sin. I'm going to absorb the curse of all mankind. Unto my body. I'm going to be sin. Who knew no sin. I'm going to be made sin. Now. It says that he didn't. Focus on that. What did he focus on? He focused on. The joy. That was set before him. And because he. Focused on the joy that was set before him. He was able to endure the cross. He was able to endure. The th- the thought of being made sin, to be cursed. So you think, wow, his focus was totally different. It wasn't on the cross. His focus was on the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? What was it? It had to be huge. He was saying that was bigger to Jesus than everything he experienced and everything he became on the cross. Are you getting this, how big this is? He focused on the joy instead of the cross. What was the joy? You and me becoming like him. You and me becoming righteous. You and me becoming victorious. You and me having all of the blessings of God. You and me having 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Everything that pertains to life, to godliness getting poured upon us he saw that he saw that and that brought joy to him that all of mankind was going to have the ability to walk in victory and total joy in this life in Pueblo, Colorado amen and that was his focus and it caused him to be able to the cross ain't that big a deal now that just makes you go tilt So, if Jesus, this is how He's saying you and I can do it. So, okay, let's take this for example Uh, cancer. Ooh, that's the big one. But if you focus on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, uh, it's really not a big deal. You name any sickness, you name any disease, you name any problem, you name any financial difficulty. If you focus on how big it is, then that's how big it is. But if you focus on Jesus and what He did at the cross, the finished work, it's finished. That's why He said on the cross, everybody knows this, He said what? It is is finished. Everything that you need for life and to godliness, it is finished. Your healing is finished. Your needs being met is finished. Your peace, your joy, your long-suffering, your kindness, your patience, your love, your faith, everything, it is finished. It is finished. So you have to believe that the finished work of Christ is finished. And you don't have to try to work up your faith to get it. Why are you working for something that's already been paid for? Why do we struggle with something that has already been paid for? We just need to do Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 to acknowledge every good thing that is in us. It is in you. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge that you, I believe I have a great marriage. I believe I have peace. I believe I have healing. I have it, I have it, I have it. By you acknowledging every good thing in you which is In Christ Jesus, it says that it causes your faith to become effectual. What does that mean? It causes your faith to work. But what we're doing, church, is that what we see and what we feel and what we're experiencing, we elevate that and focus more on that and it becomes more of a reality than what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. One of the greatest miracles that happened in my life is when I was 18 years old I was in the Air Force I went home on my first leave and uh, we had a big celebration picnic because I was home and so all, I have friends and relatives all kinds of people at this it's Bernheim Forest you ever go to Louisville, Kentucky uh, it's on the south way south of Louisville it's a beautiful beautiful rolling hills just it, if you think of Kentucky that's it and so I was there's trails and things to climb and so um I went up this real, real, there was trails, but I didn't go the trail. I went up the hill, straight up the hill on my belly, grabbing this tree trunk and grabbing this and pulling myself up to the top of the hill. Nobody else did that. I did that. And there was a reason why they didn't do that. (laughs) I made it to the top. Then everybody yelled and relayed the message to me that, hey, we're going to eat the burgers. Everything's ready. (laughs) so I began to come back down trying to stand upright which I came up on my belly so you get the picture how steep this is Uh I didn't come down the cliff I mean the path I thought you know this is a faster way true faster way and I began to go down and I did not do like Peter and begin to sink I was flying, I mean, Mach 1 wind whistling in my ear, I mean, and my feet just, I mean, it's just like skipping a rock on the pond, man, they were just going, I mean, I was just flying without wings, yeah, but they should have taught me better, but anyway, I got, the ground was coming real up fast, I mean, like, it's coming really really fast and there's no way to slow down and so I came to the bottom and uh there was a root that grew up out of the ground and it grew back into the ground it made like a stirrup I don't know what the chances are but my foot went in that stirrup of that root and my body kept going my foot did not It stayed right in that stirrup. And my body went, boom. I face planted right at the bottom of that. I mean, it's like if you can. I watched cartoons when I was growing up. It looked like those cartoons. Except the cartoons, they get up and walk around like nothing happened. I did not. Everybody comes running over me because they thought I was dead. At that time, I wanted to be. Because I hurt. They said, are you hurting? Where? Oh, over from, here. don't touch I hurt here, I hurt here, here here, but after the adrenaline went up, they carried me to the picnic table, they, my foot was like a football, it just, I had tennis shoes on, they couldn't, they couldn't hardly get my, my shoe off my foot it just went instantly and everybody said you broke your foot it's, it's, it's bad, you know everybody's going oh yeah, oh Mike, is it hurt really, you have to ask that There are some questions that just don't need to be asked. But anyway, we went home and went to my brother-in-law's house. And I just told my brother-in-law, you know, we just started going to a church that uh, believe in healing. Never gone to a church like that before. But when I came home on leave, we, he took me to a church that believes in healing. So I told him, I said, I want you to pray for my foot. So it took a while. He got my shoe off finally. And uh, they prayed for my foot. And, um. I said, Johnny, help me up. So I got up, and I put my arm around his, sh- his shoulders, and he, their house, it, w- it was kind of neat. Their, their living room, you could walk into the kitchen, into the uh, dining room, and then back into the living room. It, can, it made a circle with one wall separated, but there two entries. So I started hoppling, and when I mean hoppling, I was doing this. You know, I I mean, if I touched the ground, not put any weight on it, touched the ground, it just went pain. (laughs) So we did that two times, three times, I don't know how many times, over and over again. And I just kept saying, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Not going to be healed. Not hope to be healed. I am healed. My foot was still the size of a football. My foot was still hurting, and I let go of him, and I hobbled, and I kept hobbling all around and around, and each time, I just started screaming, and I started having a fit right in front of everybody saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, and everybody looked at my foot, and I know what they were thinking. Don't look like it. <laughs> That's probably how they said it, too. They were in Kentucky, but anyway... I knew that I was healed. And there was no, listen to me, there was no physical evidence that I was. The only evidence that I had was what God said that he did for me 2,000 years ago. Did you get that? I said there was no evidence. The pain didn't leave my body. The swelling didn't go down. Everything was the same. The only evidence I had was something in the unseen realm. In the unseen realm, it said that I was healed. The physical realm says, no, you're not. So I had a choice. I believed I was healed. I never deterred from that. I never deterred. That night I went to bed. I started walking on it. I mean, I was limping a little, but I was walking, you know, kind of like that. But at least I was, you know, at first when I did, if you touch my toe, I mean, it was bad. So I started walking. So I knew, I go, I'm healed. I didn't even think it's getting better. I said, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I know I'm healed. The next morning, I had to go drive back to the base. It was a three and a half hour drive from Louisville, Kentucky to Grissom Air Force Base. It's an hour and a half north of Indianapolis, Indiana, straight up I-65, boom. I was halfway up to Indy and uh, on 65, and the devil was in my car. He was in my back seat, and he was talking. I mean, I heard it loud and clear in my mind. He says, you got a mission tomorrow. You are not going to be able to get your flight boot on. You know, the flight boot, you know, it comes up to about, you know, your flight boots come up to about right there. So that means you got to stick your foot pointed real sharp to get it down in there. And my body goes, Woo. I mean, to, get, to think that, you know, your foot's got to bend down again. He said, you're not going to be able to put your foot in a boot. You won't be able to fly. You're going to miss your first mission. That's, you just can't do it. Just tell them what happened. You were stupid, and just tell them. I pulled over in the mercy, room, mercy lane, put it in park, got out of my car, and I started running down the mercy lane. I thought, well, what in the world are these people going to think? I didn't care. At first, you know, I was just going like this, kind of running. And I am just running because I thought, devil, I'm going to show you, not only am I healed, but I'm going to run on it. I'm not going to walk. I'm going to run on it. My brain goes, I don't know if that's smart. <laughs> I know I'm from Kentucky, but, you know, even, I don't think you should be doing that. I started... And I don't know if it must have been over 100 yards because when I turned around and came back, I was running full force. I mean, galloping. That, all of my body weight was going right on that foot when I was taking those long strides. I got in the car, and I said, if you keep talking to me again, I will get out of this car time and time again. All the way. It may take me 10 hours to get to Indianapolis, but I am proving to you that I am healed. I got up the next morning, put my flight boot on, did the mission, no problem whatsoever. I'm telling you, we have to get to the point where you have the faith and ability. You think, I don't know if I could do that. I I don't either. But if I rely on Mike, I won't do it probably. I won't believe it. But if I rely on, I have the faith of God is in me. I'm going to look to Jesus instead of the mic. If you're doing any kind of problem or going through anything today, quit looking at yourself. Quit looking and assessing whether you have enough faith. Quit assessing whether you have enough skill, whether you have enough knowledge, whether you're smart enough, whether you have the ability. Quit doing that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of... Who's going to start your faith? Who's going to end your faith? It's Jesus. Who's going to elevate you in your faith? It's Jesus. But this is what you have to do. You have to do what he said. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You could say this. He had victory through the cross. Had victory through the cross. If you're going to have victory through your problem, through your sickness, through your marriage difficulties, through life, through hell, through anything. How are you going to get victory through that? You have to... Set the joy that was set before you. What is that? What Jesus did? Yeah. What did He do? Well, you got to find out what He did for you, and then acknowledge—you Philippians one six—you have to acknowledge every good thing that is in you. The problem with Christians is, as soon as the physical thing gets louder than what you're thinking, you start concentrating and focusing in on that. And guess what? It becomes more real to you. I believe the spiritual realm can get more real to you than what you see with your eyes. I think the spiritual realm can get more real to you than what you feel with your body. I think the spiritual realm can be more real to you than your checkbook. Oh. But if you focus on your checkbook, mm, that's what's real to you. But if you close that thing, you say, my God provides all of my need according to His glory, not according to Pueblo's wage. You know, I have a fixed income. Well, who fixed it? (laughs) I think if you look to Jesus, He's a better fixer than your SS check, than your... Any kind of check. The spiritual realm is more real, honey. It is. But it only will be real to you if you're focusing on that instead of what you're feeling, what you're going through. That's why Paul, I mean, Paul went through hell and back. And he sit there and he says, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. I mean, that dude got snake bit by a poisonous snake. He got stoned. They killed him. He was put in prison for two years. His ship got destroyed. He spent a day and a night in the the sea. I mean, during the storm. I mean, everything imaginable happened to that guy. And he says, I'm victorious. Paul, do you know what's been going on in your life? Yeah, I'm victorious. Matter of fact, I'm not just, I'm more than a conqueror. He, he elevated. He says, I, honey, I'm not just conquering. I am more than conquering. I'm more than a conqueror. How can you be more than a conqueror? And, because he didn't look at what he was experiencing, what he was feeling, what people were saying and doing to his body, his circumstances. He didn't look to that. He looked to Jesus. The author and the finisher is faith. And because he looked at Jesus, he knew that he had victory. And no matter what you can do, you can't hurt this. You can't defeat this because I've got God inside of me. I've got God all around me. And he's greater than anything you can see. Greater than anything that you can feel, taste, or touch. He's greater than anything. I've got him. So you can't hurt me. You can't destroy me. You can't defeat me. Man, the devil had to just be so glad the day that he died. And went to heaven. He says, man, I'm glad. But this is a problem. God is causing the church to get their eyes opened up. Not to only to walk like Paul, but to walk like Jesus. I said to walk like Jesus. I said to walk like Jesus. John chapter 14 says, "The works Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. But if you don't think you have that kind of faith, you'll never pray for anybody who's sick. And most people think, well, what if he doesn't, you know, get healed? So let me get this straight. Let me take you to your train of thought. If he does get healed, are you going to take credit for it then? Is that what you're saying? Ow! (laughs) I had that thought, and I go, oh, Jesus, help me. That's why we don't pray for somebody, you know, because they may not get healed. Oh, so you're going to feel bad then. So if they do get healed, are you taking credit for that then? No, man, I want to pray for people. This ain't my power. It's not my healing. <laughs> that's right. it, it's, it's him. So when you pray for somebody, don't think, oh, no, who's watching me? Who, who cares? Are you going to take credit for if he gets healed? Because if you are, I mean, he's like, yeah, that's stupid. You can't, you can't heal nobody. You can't save nobody. Let's stand.